Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Shelley Tasker Show here, coming out of cornwallrevolutionradio.blogspot.com in association with the new Key Penzance and Cambourne Truth Groups. It's good to have your company. Happy New Year. If you would like to join in with a live chat, click on the live chat room link on the top right-hand side of your screen, just below the player of your choice. It's Wednesday, the 6th of January. Hosting along myself is Charlie Rainbow and Nina Eilertson. And tonight's guests are Brian Gerrish, presenter of The Most Truthful Show Going Around. And our second guest is Howard Coleman, who will update us on Q and Trump. Hi, Brian, and welcome to the show. Hello, Shelley. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you for coming on. It's a real treat, actually. Uh, I think everybody's like, woo, good guest tonight. So, um, yeah, we always see you on the other side doing the interviews and presenting. So, um it's great to have you to do an interview with us. So really appreciate you taking the time out. Well, it's, it's a pleasure. And the other thing is, and I know Mike would say it as well, that, that we are absolutely delighted to see more and more um, people um, getting up and, and doing this sort of stuff for themselves, because ultimately we need, uh, we need millions of people to be running their own uh, uh, web-based radio and pushing out the information so so what you're doing is great and and uh who, who else is there with you charlie and nina so yeah keep at it yes we will um i'm just yeah i, I don't know where to start really i've got like done snippets and obviously trying to do some research on you it's all everything that comes up is your interviews and your stuff on uk column but what what a, you were um a british naval officer am i right yeah, I was many, many years ago. I, I left as a lieutenant commander in um, 1993. So I did a full 21-year career. Um, I ended up as driving one of the um, fishery protection boats. Um, but that was really one of the things that led me to decide that uh, I'd had enough because I watched essentially Her Majesty's Navy used to destroy the lives of fishermen. And of course, the the um, Cornish fishing fleets got hammered, along with uh, all the rest of them around the country. And I did not like what I ended up doing, what I was involved with, and that that was a big thing in me deciding to leave the navy. Right, because I mean, well, you'd say obviously it's military based, and you you're in that system. It is quite funny that you've turned out and come out totally the other side, and. Well, alternative news. Well, it's been a bit of an adventure, I can tell you that. And if you'd spoken to me, you know, back in, uh, well, when do we say, if you'd spoken to me sort of in the early 1990s, I would never, ever have believed that I would have been doing what I'm doing now or that I understood and believed the things that I do now. So, yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride, but quite an adventure. So, so how did you come to like go go the other way, so, so to speak? Come out of the navy and then come into running a newspaper, newspaper, and then doing a obviously the UK column um, TV show. Yeah. How does how does someone come out of the navy and then suddenly go into that side of things? Uh, well, of course, the answer to that is I didn't um, just come out of the navy and and go into that. I I. I really decided to leave the Navy because um, I, I'd got to the stage, uh, I was happily married, I still am, uh, but then had young children, or young children, 
and I was spending a lot of time away and I was seeing these big changes in the military, which I didn't like. And I've just mentioned the fishing episode. And so I decided to leave. And um, and for a, a few years, I, I worked quite normally. I'll use that with a small N. Um, mm-hmm within a, a building surveying company uh, that was based in Plymouth. And everything was okay until I got interested in some of the problems in Devonport. So that's one of the areas in Plymouth. Um, and there was a lot of, well, huge amount of unemployment. And there were a lot of youngsters who were getting themselves into a lot of trouble. They started to be fights on the streets and cars being burnt. And together with another guy, we decided to see whether we could do something to get these youngsters, if you like, off the streets. And uh, cut a very long story short, we came up with a project which was to get these youngsters involved in the repair and build of wooden boats. We got some uh, we got a small facility in what was called South Yard of the naval base. And um, many people were very kind. And we we built up a collection of tools and we had a a porter cabin set up to start this thing going. And we had a lot of interest from the local community. And then it expanded because some of the local community said, oh, we should we should rebuild HMS Beagle, which was Charles Darwin's ship um, that took Darwin. Well, it was a it was a Royal Navy ship, but it took Darwin around the world. Um, and Beagle was refitted in, in Plymouth before they set off on Darwin's so-called voyage of discovery and a lot of the crew came from Devonport so we got a lot of support and we started actually to work on the idea of rebuilding HMS Beagle Um, but uh, then very strange things started to happen and all the agencies that had been supporting us because we were doing the right thing we were trying to create jobs it was skills training it was education it was young people so we were ticking all the boxes but the next minute everybody stopped talking to us it was utterly bizarre so plymouth city council wouldn't talk to us properly the southwest of england regional development agency wouldn't talk the government office of the southwest all of a sudden there was a wall of silence and when we started to sort of say why is this um there was still a wall of silence until a man said to me, I think your problem is common purpose. And I didn't know what that was. And I asked him and he said, well, it's a funny charity. And when I started to research it, I discovered that this charity had people everywhere in Plymouth, uh, in the city council, in the police, in the fire service, in the colleges. And it was a sort of undeclared semi-secret society Um, But it was clearly controlling things that were happening within the local political arena. And together with a a friend, we started to dig and research. And the more we dug, the more bizarre it became. But we then started to be threatened. Um, And we had threats via emails, weird phone calls, knocks on the door in the middle of the night, um, strange messages left. Um, used hypodermic needles put in the flower baskets outside my house and uh, a crude arson attempt at my friend's house and it it was clear that all of this was linked in with this very strange organisation Common Purpose 
And so the next thing we did is we set up a website, uh, which was called the Devonport Column, and we started to report what was going on. And then I began to be contacted by people from other cities telling me that they were experiencing the same thing. And I had uh, contact from people in Sheffield, in Glasgow, um, up in Liverpool, uh, Newcastle. And when, when we investigated the sorts of things they were talking about, fraud, corruption, threats, intimidation, it was like there was a template operating across UK. And that's the point where we started to set up a paper and uh, it's grown from there, really. Yeah, massively, because I mean, now you're, um, I don't know how many viewers you get a day, but you are the channel. <laughs> I say this to everybody. Um, I've never been one much for the mainstream media anyway, but now I'm like hooked on your show every day. And uh, it's a great alternative for those listening that might want to take a break from the mainstream media. And it must be pretty exciting at the moment for you with all of this going on as a presenter. Well well, Shelley, the key bit at the moment is that, um, well, as I said, last year was last year was very good for us because the moment lockdown came into place, it was obvious a lot more people were coming to watch us. I'm, I'm going to say I'm not going to say what our viewer figure is because I honestly don't know. But sometimes we're up in the sixty thousand, but the emails we get worldwide indicate that it's a lot more. But we think we're censored. Um, but we're, we're certainly getting to tens of thousands of people a day. Um, but the moment lockdown started, the curfew, um, it was evident that a lot more people were coming to us. And, um, and that's continued. And today I thanked people for all their support last year. And I also said that we had a lot more people coming to us, asking, really seeking answers to what was going on. And, um, a lot of them, and they are still doing it, are sending us emails saying thank you for what you're doing because you guys are keeping us sane. And I think that is a brilliant compliment. Oh, absolutely. Because I think, well, even I've questioned myself sometimes and think, actually, am I, am I the crazy one? Because I'm a minority. It's like, perhaps they are all right. But it's like, when it's coming from the heart, no, it's not. And when, when you're with so many like-minded people, it, it does keep you sane, absolutely. Yeah, and and I'm going to just come straight in here and say um, we, we're talking about sanity, we're talking about the way people think, and there is no question that that we, the public in, in UK, are under a massive psychological attack. This is a calculated political psychological attack and it's extremely dangerous because most people don't recognize what it is but we we are being attacked by what the government is doing and it's it's people may think because they're locked in their house that this is a sort of physical restriction well it is in a way but the biggest attack is on their minds on their mental health and this is why we're now starting to see a lot of people getting very anxious and stressed and fractious. And the government knows what they're doing because they've been operating a team uh, for years, um, designing the plan in order to manipulate people's emotions. And I'll just say, if people think I'm making this bit up, you just need to go and search for the document called Mind Space, M-I-N-D, 
S-P-A-C-E. So if you put mindspace.pdf into a search engine, you will find the government document. And on page 66, it boasts that the government at that stage in 2010, the government was boasting that it could change the way that people behaved. That means think. And they would not know that this change had taken place. Or if they realised that their behaviour had changed, they would not know how it was done. And we have a sorry, uh, we have a prime minister, Boris Johnson, who sniggered um, a little while ago when he was saying that money uh, spent on investigating child abuse had been spaffed up the wall. Apologise for the next bit, but of course that means ejaculated. So we have a prime minister who has that. Um, base mentality in his head has also now got at his disposal the ability to play with the minds of the general public. And through COVID, this is being done by the uh, SAGE and the SPY B unit. Right. And this is all under what the neurolinguistic, have I said that properly, programming? Um, in principle, um, neurolinguistics is the main part of it. Um, and uh, if people, again, you know, if, pe if people want to research this, they've got to, got to look at the Mindspace document. Um, but the government has been running since 2010, maybe a little bit before, the Behavioural Insights team, which was originally working directly with the Cabinet Office, and they had a team of psychologists and neuro-linguistic uh, neuro-experts who were devising the policies by the manipulation of language. And that's why if you, if you want a simple example, uh, emphasising what's going on, this is why the government keeps using these three-word mantras um, or, or three-phrase mantras. So um, what, what it is now, but it's basically... Um, uh, stay safe, support the NHS, save lives. And the message changes, they'll change the phrases, but it's always three. And this is because they are using, um, in that instance, a particular form of, of applied psychology. Sure, sure. Um, and with the psychology from the start, all, all of the fear-mongering, it's what's obviously made people wear the masks. And if they don't wear their mask, they don't feel safe but they've just been manipulated beyond belief, haven't they? They have, Shelley. And um, again, people can read this for themselves because it was the 20, it was the SAGE um, meeting minutes of the 22nd of May uh, uh, last year, so 2020, 20, 20, 22nd of May. And in those minutes, uh, the people present were saying that they had to make people more fearful in, in order to adhere more strongly to the government's uh, so-called COVID protective measures. And they also said in one, uh, one of the other paragraphs that they would be using techniques to get communities to police themselves. And that means turning people on each other so that when you're there on the pavement not wearing a mask and somebody accosts you and says, because you're not wearing a mask, you are putting people at risk. You are causing people to die. This antagonism has been directly 
fermented within the sage document and to emphasize how dangerous this stuff is even they had to say even they had to say that they needed to be careful with how they used this psychology because essentially it could get out of control and what they mean by that is people could turn violent right and, and we've seen a couple of incidences um well lately i know peers has said about a couple of people at protests but they're so enraged now and mad yeah i'm just saying that you know people are so full of anger the fear has turned them into really angry people and i think yeah. this we see lots of angry people everywhere at the moment. <laughs> They're full of anger. Um, yeah, this, is, this is a combination of the stress and the anxiety. And those two things have been deliberately stoked up in order to create the effect in the population. And, and I don't like saying this, but I think it's true. We're going to see this get much worse as people get longer into the curfew. The longer people are locked up in their houses, the worse this is going to be. And it's beholden on all of us to be very, very calm when we're dealing with people um, because there is a lot of aggression out there. Yeah, there is. I mean, I've, I've had to stop posting. I know it's only Facebook, but for the last week and just before the new year, I was like, I can't cope with this anymore because you can't, you're not entitled to an opinion anymore. Um, everybody will yeah. shoot you down in flames. Well, this, this is because a huge percentage of the population are not actually thinking for themselves anymore. Um, what they have in their head is the little sound bites from the BBC News, the mainstream media. And if you attempt to get into a discussion with them, they regurgitate those sound bites as if they are knowledge that they've ascertained for themselves. Well, of course, they haven't that that information, those sound bites have been pushed into their heads by the news on the hour, every hour, uh, by the BBC or, or watching um, or looking at um, you know, uh, newspapers or whatever it is. This is being drilled into people. So people can't actually follow a cognitive process. And I've experienced this with myself. I've been walking in my village and I've met educated professional people that I've known for many years and when you speak to them all they give you is a repetition of the BBC sound bites it's quite I'll use the expression is it's funny in one way but it's quite scary in another because they're they're not functioning anymore yeah no yeah I know what you're saying I spoke to, spoke to somebody yesterday and um very briefly and he just said um well, obviously the masks are working because the flu cases have gone right down. <laughs> it's just like, oh my god, I, I just can't be bothered to go there, and it just made me feel so mad. And I just, I just left. I'm, I'm at the moment. I just don't want to be around people that are like that. I know it's not their fault. <laughs> um, remain ki kind at all times, I say, but I think so many are just frustrated because we can see that they've clearly been manipulated, and I hate to use the phrase brainwashed. But then they like to say that we're the ones that have been brainwashed and we're yeah. the conspiracy theorists. So, But I'll just say very gently, because I, I, I have to back away from this sometimes myself, that, that you know, if, if you're somebody who's awake and wants to be active and to do things, it, it is important that you take time out and you get away and you do ordinary things and you you 
sort of calm your mind down and you refresh yourself because everything that we're dealing with is very stressful and you're dealing with people who are stressful because they're so anxious and it is very important that people look after themselves i i have often asked people who've approached me wanting to help um you know do you research and they'll say oh yes i i'm I'm awake at three o'clock in the in the morning researching and I'm saying to them, well, I suggest you don't do that um, because you can do it for so long. But after a while, it literally eats you. So yeah. looking looking after yourself is, is good. Yeah. Yes. And you can't help anybody else if you're not sane. Neither yeah. can you. No. Can, Sorry. Just, I'm, I'll forget it if I don't. I'd like to just put in a little plug. Uh, for an article which is up on the UK column website if people anybody out there is interested in what I'm talking about with this psychological attack um, there's a very good article which was posted a day ago on the UK column website um, so if you go to the front page of ukcolumn.org uh, it's on the right hand side there's a picture of um, Nicholas Sturgeon with the mantra stay at home and underneath it says psychological attack on the UK and uh, a very good and detailed uh, article um, written about this psychological attack and how it's working. Brilliant. I'll find that link in a minute and I'll post it in our live chat as well. Uh, Nina, you wanted to ask a question. Oh, yeah. I just want to say hi, Brian. Nina here. Um, really nice to speak to you today, especially because I discovered UK Column in the last year, like the beginning of the summer, just by chance on a YouTube video that someone else had done and they put clips together and at the end was UK Column and that's how I found, I found you. Um, oh, sorry, can you hear me all right? Yes, I can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah what you were just talking about, just um, it's just brought to mind, like just yesterday, for example, someone was messaging me, like a friend who's kind of on the other side of all this. And she was saying that she is really upset about the mental health effects on children, mask wearing and that we're all in lockdown and all this stuff. And then she said, and she blames all the people that are not following the rules. And I just thought, oh, my God, this is like completely ex a great example of what we're talking about, the psychological effects of dividing and turning people against each other. Yes, well, that's that's a key case. And um, what's my advice with this? Well, we're always trying to, I call it sow seeds with people. You, you're, If they're not awake, you're trying to sow little seeds to get them to start to wake up. Mm -hmm. And the things that I have learned over the years are that um, the people you're looking for are the nice ones that you have a conversation you know it's a stranger and you start a conversation and the next minute they they are absolutely on side and they're saying i thought i was the only one who knew mm. and then you meet somebody who's who's very uh, supportive and is hungry for information you get other people who you can you can say a few things to and they dismiss you but actually they come back later Maybe weeks later, I've had people who've come back to me after three, four years and say, do you remember what you were talking about when you said this? Well, now I understand that that. And I realised that those seeds took four years to germinate. Yeah. And, and then there are other people who really you can just waste your time with. They won't wake up because mm -hmm. they won't see. They don't want to. 
and it's better just to move on to the next person. Yeah. That, that, that's yeah. how I see it. That makes sense. Yeah, so, I, I've been doing that for about four years, <clears throat> just trying to wake people up. Um, and it's little by little, isn't it? Yeah, uh, because if, if you go in reasonably soft and you come up with a bit of resistance or they get a bit iffy with you, you can always go back in a couple of weeks or a month and have another go. If you go in really hard and get them stoked up and uh, they turn around really disliking you, you don't get that second chance. So it's always better to go in slightly soft and have another go later than to go in too hard and get the, the, the brick wall. But the other little attempt, um, the other little tactic, which I have to say is a bit of applied psychology, but we're allowed to use it as well, is, is if you're trying to put an art, uh, um, if you're trying to put a, a particular point across, don't give it as if it is you. Try and deflect it by saying, you read something that said said whatever it was or you heard somebody speaking and they said and what this does is means that if the person disagrees with what you've said instead of them pinning it on you mm. they pin it on your source and you said you heard a man or a woman or you read it in a book and so they'll say oh well you don't believe them do you and you could say well i didn't initially but i'm starting to and this means that the, the prickliness of the conversation is not going directly between the two of you. It's, it's got this neutral ground off to one side. And I, I found that can be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Can, um, a while ago when we spoke on the phone, Brian, you mentioned about how the psychology was um, managed in the police force. Can you give us a bit of a talk about how they apply the psychology to, to new people that join out in the police force and stuff? Um, right. Well, uh, where, where do I begin? I mean, I began by starting to understand the police weren't as I quite as I thought in my early days. Um, I think I've had the police at my house about four times and, and also the UK column on one occasion. Um, uh they were all right on one occasion, but the rest of the time they've generally been quite aggressive. But how did I start to discover there was something weird going on with the police? Uh, it was in my very early days, and I was talking about common purpose and the fact that where common purpose had been running courses, it was very often that um, people started to sort of experience bullying or, or a particularly... Um, domineering management style this sort of thing and I, I'd given a couple of talks about this and one evening I, I got a call from a lady who said to me she'd heard one of my talks and, and she said well I've got to tell you this but I, I was married to a to a policeman and um, he did a course and she said he changed and a few months after the course, she said that they they had a caravan booked for a week, just for a little week away somewhere. And she said, by the middle of the week, I knew I had to leave him. He 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 would shout at the TV. She she said he would be saying um, he'd be looking at something to do with people on the streets, and he'd be shouting at the TV. You see those bastards? Those are the bleep bleep bleep. We have to deal with. Um, very scathing and um, 
unpleasant. And she she did eventually separate from him. Um, but she also told me that um, sometime later she met a policeman who, who she knew he used to work with. And this guy was a black man. And um, she said to this guy, um, you know, my husband changed. What was the course you did? And the guy said, oh, that was that was a course about racial discrimination it was, or it was about diversity and equality was was the name of the course. But essentially it was about um, racial discrimination. And the next minute, this guy had said to her, if I didn't know I was black before, I effing well do now. And so she said to him, what do you mean? And he said, well. I worked with the police for a long time. I never had any problem with my colleagues. Um, you know, there are, okay, there's there's a few of us black guys, but the rest of them were all white, but we all got on okay. There was no problems. But on the course, um, they kept putting questions to us. If this and this happens, does that happen because you're black? This happened. Somebody said that. Did that happen because you're black? And he said, initially, of course, you're saying, well, no, that happens to everybody or that's normal. But eventually they got to something and you sort of said, well, I suppose it could be. And he said, what I came to realize was that they had put a seed in my head. I'd never had a problem with my white colleagues. But what they'd done is put a seed in my head that maybe when something was said, that was the result of racial prejudice. And I have to cut this short, but essentially what she got from this guy was that the diversity and equality course had not provided uh, a calmer uh, understanding of, of how people of different ethnicities get on. It had actually fermented antagonism between them. And so we knew that very early on, and we, we're going way back to sort of mid-90s, these courses were appearing all over the place for the police, the diversity and equality courses, um, but also they were starting to provide um, this type of applied psychology within the other training courses inside the police. And indeed, common purpose itself ran rampant inside the police force. Um, I'm trying to think of the lady's name, but she was the chief constable of Devon and Cornwall Police. Um, Common Purpose got her and eventually she she had to leave um, because she caused such mayhem in, in the police force. But that was after she had been reframed by Common Purpose. So applied psychology being injected into the police and into police training um, in a malevolent, malicious way. Police taught to believe that everybody they meet on the streets is a potential terrorist, that um, uh, the black police and turned against the white police or the Muslims against the Christians. This was all calculated policy uh, to help break down um, really the police as they were. They weren't perfect but they were certainly a very different police force than the one we see now. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I might have mentioned you to you last time, actually. Like, my brother was very awake, he used to go to troop groups and everything like that, and uh, 
joined the police force and well <laughs> I'm disowned now as you can imagine <laughs> um and that's the thing we we haven't even fallen out but he doesn't want to be associated because of my activities and stuff and um and this will be because that when they when they do training when they have briefings um you, you, we, the public will be described in particular ways. I mean, the UK column put up a, a document which was a real document um, put out by the British Army saying that people should be alert for right wing extremists. And in the table, it said that you were an extremist if you talked about nationalism. I mean, if, if the bizarre thing about this is that originally, if, if you were in the military, you were going to be pretty nationalistic because you were there to defend your nation. And here was this document being given to soldiers saying, well, if any members of the public are talking about supporting Britain as a nation or England as a nation or Wales, whatever it is, that these are, are, are potentially right wing extremists. Now, all this material has not appeared by accident. All of this psychologically based reframing material has come out of the government itself and it's come out of the government's behavioural insights team. So, so do you think there's any way of getting these people back or is that it? They're just gone um, some of them some of them you can get back if you have the opportunity to be able to um, sit down and talk to them and and uh, and reason with them. Um, but I'm afraid some of them, it, it, it certainly isn't easy to regain them because this is very powerful stuff. Um, some of them jolt out of it when they suffer um, a, a, a sort of trauma, social, personal or social event themselves. Um, and, you know, that doesn't have to be too extreme, but maybe they go from having a happy career to falling out with a boss and suddenly they start getting a bit of the internal treatment put under pressure. Um, and when that happens, we've seen a lot of people suddenly start to wake up to what they're experiencing. So a dose of the system attacking them can very quickly make people reappraise what they see and believe interesting mm. yeah because when i've had this conversation he said i know you all think we've been brainwashed but we haven't and laws are rules are rules we used to hear and <laughs> yeah, yeah shelly this is this is one of the things um in common purpose has been using a system of reframing people and, and most of this is, is based on neuro-linguistics. Um, but the key thing about this is essentially it is hypnosis. And uh, the facts are that some people are completely immune to hypnosis. Um, that You can try all sorts of tricks with them and it doesn't seem to work, small number of people. The rest of the population are, are all susceptible to some extent. And, and, and if you see the distribution curve, it's, it's one of those statistical bell curves where, the, where there's you know, a bell shape and, and most of the people are contained within that. But the thing is, the more intelligent you are, 
And the more you have an open questioning mind, the more susceptible you are to this. And I, I've met many people, um, usually professionals in good jobs, and they say something, oh, well, I, I, I don't think it would catch me out. Well, this is not the way it works, because if it's delivered uh, correctly in a professional way, um, you are intelligent, you are more susceptible to it getting you, and you won't even know it's been done. So if, if people want to try and you know, investigate a bit of this, um, put neuro-linguistic programming into your search engine, and, um, and you, you know, I'm going to give you something sort of emotive here, put um, date rape or getting women into bed, and you will find um, thousands, thousands of sites talking about using uh, neuro-linguistics effectively to hypnotize people to get them to do what you want. And I've given you that, that uh, not very nice example because this is the level at which it's being used. And we've now got a government who is not only promoting it, it's running its own um, mindfulness course uh, group within Westminster. And uh, if there's somebody out there saying, oh, but mindfulness is very good. Well, NLP can be used for some good purposes. I say that very re reluctantly because I've got lots of reasons to challenge all of it. But OK, I'll accept that a good person can do some good therapy with NLP. But we're not talking about good people. We're talking about malicious political people using these techniques as a tool. And what they're doing with the MPs is they are reframing the minds of the MPs via the mindfulness courses. Mm. And the people will not realise what, what has happened to them. Isn't mindfulness and NLP two different things? Um, technically, yes. But essentially, what you're still doing is, is it, it, both of them are a form of mesmerism. And um, so you, you're in, in mindfulness, you are getting to techniques of mesmerizing people. In um, NLP, you're also doing that, but you will be doing it in slightly different ways. Mm. Yeah, that was amazing. I'm smiling while I say this because I know every time I start to point a finger at this sort of material, people would say, oh, but I'm a therapist and, and mm. I've been using this for a long time and I've helped lots of people. And yeah. my reply is, I'm sure you have. Mm. And I believe what you say, but I'm not talking about the nice people. I'm talking about criminal politicians who have now learnt that they can use applied psychology to simply get people to do as they as they want them to, it can be used in different ways, can't it? Do, do you yeah. think narcissists um, use it? Yes, and and also narcissists are particularly um, susceptible to to it anyway. So, um, I, in fact, I need to get it out. I, I did a, a just a discussion with a lady who's down there in Cornwall talking about that very subject that the fact that if you look at our MPs as a class as a political class it's very clear 
that they have a, a high prevalence of narcissistic people. And those characteristics mean that they are particularly malleable um, to use this sort of stuff on. Mm. The only thing I know about mindfulness is it's about being in the moment and feeling what's happening in the moment rather than going off into your own thoughts. That's what I thought mindfulness was. Well, if if you if you read some of the um, some of the things, this is true, mm. um, but it depends which version of it you're getting. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. Um, how can I give? Um, well, it will be a long conversation if we get into this. If you really want to, if you really want me to get into this stuff, I'm going to say <laughs> you'll have to give me another slot, and we'll talk about the detail of it. Yeah, we definitely do want to do that, don't we, Shelley? We'll do that. Definitely. <laughs> but, um, I, I knew nothing about this subject initially until I realised that when I was meeting particularly deep common purpose people, they weren't behaving normally. Mm. And eventually I got sent a video by a man who said, Brian, I work in social services. I'm fully trained in psychology. And the bit you're missing is that you're dealing with people who've been NLP'd. Well, I didn't, I didn't even know what it was. But I, I've, uh, I then started to research, and eventually I'm able to meet people who've been trained in NLP, who, who, who were very nice people, but they were shocked when I explained to them what NLP was being used for. Um, but when you look at the book, if you go back to the, uh, can I find it very quickly on my bookshelf? Probably not. Um, but I've got the the very first um, I got the very first uh, NLP book by Grinder and Bandler, um, which was the origins of of magic. And um, and when you read the opening, they are literally talking about the dark arts. Mm. Um, so these these two guys, a computer expert and an, and a psychologist, get together and they play around with language in order to help people. In the meantime, one of them's working with a CIA and Israeli intelligence. And I'm going to say that's not the picture I get. Something else is going on here. And then suddenly we see NLP being used everywhere. And of course, people enjoy using it where they can get a sense of power over other people mm. it's it can be a very dirty business i mean i mean if if i if i said to you um i'm sure that i'm sure that you like me think think that this is not right we shouldn't allow this stuff to be used i've said that phrase to you i'm now going to say to you shelley what did i say we should not let this stuff be used. I did say that, but what did I say before that? Oh, God. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I've already forgotten. What I actually said was, I'm sure that you like me. And then I paused and I said to put a stop to this sort of thing. But the first thing I said to you was, I'm sure that you like me. I'm sure that you like me. Right? No, you missed that. It means, it means right? you like me. Right. It means you're like me. So you, you no, no, missed no, 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 I'll explain this, right? Oh. You reacted 
you were, I was taught this particular statement by a man who is explaining this stuff to me. So I've just I've just used it to show it to you. I said a very short couple of sentences, but your brain anticipated where I was going. So when I said, I'm sure that you like me think your brain was jumping on to where I was going next because you you <coughs> your your um, <coughs> excuse me, your brain knew that I was going to tell you the important bit next. Mm -hmm. And the bit I gave you was that we should put a stop to this sort of thing. But your subconscious brain also registered what I said first. And the part that I gave you, I'm sure that you like me think was actually delivered so that I'm telling your subconscious something. I'm sure that you like me. Yeah, yeah. Right now, we are playing with linguistics, but this is how dirty this subject is. These people can give you a text, and in the text, there can be a couple of spelling mistakes. And somebody reads it, and when they come to the word that's spelled wrong, they pause. And at that point, their subconscious, their subconscious has got a completely different message than if they'd followed the sentence all the way through without any interruption. Or you can have a written, you can have a written bit that, that has a full stop where there shouldn't be a full stop. And you're, you're reading through it, just turning my phone off, apologies for that. You're reading through it and you suddenly come to this full stop in the middle of a sentence and you pause. And what that has done is put part of the linguistic message in that sentence into your subconsciousness while your conscious brain is saying that's a bit weird oh that must be a spelling mistake right yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of following yeah i'll be listening right? to this again tomorrow yeah. and uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. is it quite deep but, stuff isn't it well it it's deep stuff in one way in that if you really get into this um it can get quite complex, but but if you keep it simple for people by playing around with language, you are giving people messages straight into their subconscious. And this, the my simplest example of this is this is why they're using this three word, three phrase mantra with COVID. You know, wash your hands, social distance, stay safe. Yeah. Right. And the three is the mantra which drives this into your head because it's got the little rhyme. You remember it. And that's, that's why they're using it. So there's no real sense in the message, but they can drill the message into your head by using the three word, three phrase mantra. Mm. Uh, uh, Brian, I, I would change the you like me to something about sending box of chocolates or something like that. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I, I uh, yes. Yeah, that's useful though, isn't it? There are people who who've done a reasonable amount of NLP training, who are literally able to use this stuff on friends and acquaintances to get them to do as they want, and some people get a real kick out of it. Mm -hmm. And the f scary thing is, of course, who are the people that are really going to use it? Well, that's going to be the sociopaths and the, and the psychopaths 
the narcissists. Yeah. Those are going to be the people that are really going to pick up on this as a tool because they can manipulate other people with it. Yeah. What we're now talking about is that the British government in 2010 was boasting in its own document that it could change how we believed, what we believed and how we behaved, and we as the public would not even know this had been done to us. What makes you think that um, why they keep these documents telling us what they're doing um, available? Uh, that is a very, very good question. Um, and in one way, I don't have an answer to it. I think my best answer to it is that that ultimately the people who are doing all the dirty work mm. are very frightened people. Mm. And they know that if they work completely in the dark, if somebody lifts the stone and sees what's going on, they are exposed. Mm. But if you deal in, in hidden in plain sight, mm. if somebody sees something, you can always dismiss it. So, so if, if we take that 2010 document, it's even got a chapter in there saying that, oh, well, one of the problems is the public might accuse us of being manipulative. Mm. So they discuss it as if it's, a, it's an area of concern to them, but quite clearly it isn't. Mm. Mm. So somebody who wanted to challenge me would say, oh, well, Brian, I've read the document, but, but they say... That, that they recognise what they're doing, they have to be very careful. And therefore, there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, they cover their backs, they think. Yeah. If, if you want to come in at another level, and I'll throw a rock in the pond and say a spiritual level, I yeah. believe it's because these people are not allowed to simply trample over what is our God-given free will, and they have to declare what they're doing. But that's probably another discussion as well. It is, and religion seems to be playing heavily at the moment upon myself and lots of people I know, lots of biblical quotes and lots of God stuff. It's it's quite interesting times, and I never thought I'd see the day that I actually order a Bible from Amazon. <laughs> well, well that's, I'm going to say that that that's very good. I I'm. I'm also a person who, again, if I if I go back to um, uh, uh, where will we say, you know, the early 1990s or something like that, I, I was two weddings and a funeral. Occasionally, I'd go to church if, if if it was the right thing to do, and I was dragged along. But it wasn't until I started to uh, discover that very dark stuff is going on in this country, I started to go looking for answers to, as to why. And that ultimately started me um, looking at scriptures and and um, seeking answers beyond politics. And I am I'm very happy to say that now, to me, it's very clear that the real battle we're in is a spiritual battle. And, and the men and politics is simply part of that. But ultimately, what we're up against is 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 a spiritual battle uh, and as as it says in Ephesians, in very high places. Yeah, yeah. I'm, um, well, I, I believe myself to be quite a spiritual person anyway, but I, <laughs> all, all these things, I had a vivid dream the other night, and it was um, 
of, of cloud formation formed of angels holding their um, hands together with their wings and stuff. And it, it was so vivid. And I have seen seen things in meditations and stuff. And then my friend sent me a link of revelations about when the angels came and the trumpets. And, and it was a really eerie feeling because part of me now, it's like, are we living in these end times? Uh, that's, that's a very interesting question i my re response to that is i believe we are with the caveat that we we're none of us are to ever know exactly when the when the end of that uh, the return of christ comes but are we in end times at the moment and are we in that spiritual battle i am absolutely sure we are yeah, I mean, my Bible came and I misread things as always, and it was like the size of like my hand. <laughs> so I have to send it back because I can't read it. But all of a sudden, my new good read is going to be yeah, the Bible. <laughs> um, so somebody has asked a question, Brian, and they they said they're interested to see what your views are on the Great Reset and the idea that we will own nothing. Do you have any views on what what's going to be the outcome of this? Well, I, I, my, my view on the Great Reset is that um, they, the powerful people we're up against, working through organisations like the World Economic Forum and the Trilateral Commission and the United Nations and UNESCO and all the rest of it, uh, they are absolutely planning for uh, a reset, which means that our whole life, is going to change in every way, spiritually, economically, socially. And we are, we are, or they are going to do their best to force us into this, this new um, style of living, which will be total surveillance. And essentially, if you can work, you will be able to exist. Uh, if you deal with the system, you may get certain privileges. But essentially, we will just be um, human beings under total surveillance. And that's that is what their 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 own documentation says. If you if you look at uh, what um, Mr. Schwab from the World Economic Forum is talking about and writing about, they are describing where they want to go very clearly, including um linking human beings or the human mind directly into computer and ai systems so the the ultimate agenda of of the reset is for the complete um transformation of human beings um into a former cyborg they are talking about it in great detail david ike talks about this now do you think it's it's to do with having robot um, the brain in the robot thingies or ro or our, our consciousness into a cloud? Uh, well, I think they're, they're trying to do both. Um, there's certainly no question that they, I mean, they're, they're um, uh, what's the word? They're stroking people's egos by saying, oh, well, basically we can, we can enhance the human body. Yeah, we can be gods and stuff like that, isn't it? Yeah, so so they're heading in a direction that you you can have more and more robotic technology attached to your body, but but in their own papers they're describing the fact that that ultimately they would like to bring the human mind um, within within a robot form, and also yes, they're talking about uploading 
the human mind to a cloud type existence. Now, do you believe that, that if if our consciousness is uploaded to the cloud, do you believe that our soul is trapped or do you believe it's a separate thing to our consciousness? Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. That's, well, that's, a, that's a question. Um, I, I, I believe that our soul is uh, ultimately owned by God. And this is why there is a huge battle, because uh, essentially uh, the bad guys are trying to win the human souls. But I think my, I'm going to say, limited um, spiritual knowledge and understanding would be that this this cannot be possible um, unless we actually desert God. We we are part we're part of God. I believe this, and I believe that 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 when we recognise this and understand it, we have this immense protection of God. But when you see the, let's call it the devil capturing souls, um, how, how's the devil going to do it? Well, first of all, it's got to sever any link in, in the connection and belief in God. And it is interesting that you see this coming through in the political agenda at the moment very clearly, the shutting down of churches, the suppression of spirituality, the mocking of God. And I believe that this is because if they can if they can totally break your knowledge and, and connection with God, then they get closer um, to to having a go at stealing your soul. Yeah, they're trying yeah. to break the spirit, aren't they? For sure. What about the DNA change to do with the um, COVID-19 vaccine? I, I I think this is absolutely real. I think that although they're talking about it as though it's novel, I hate that word because they just mean new, don't they? It's uh, new technology, but it's technology where they're interfering with the DNA. And from from all the stuff that I've read, the indication is that they want to interfere with the DNA in order to change people's mood and behaviour. So I. I I think the vaccines are very, I think they're very dangerous from a, a normal physical point of view, but now they're messing around with DNA. I think they're unbelievably dangerous. Awesome. Thank well, you, Brian. Awesome. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to round up there, um, Brian, but thank you for an amazing hour. And um, we will take you up on your offer of another interview soon. Yeah, <laughs> it's great to have one lined up. <laughs> and yeah, absolutely. All those listening, um, I highly recommend you watch the UK column. I rave about it to everybody. I say to everybody, Brian, turn off the BBC News, one mm. o'clock, UK column. Yeah. Because it is just amazing stuff that you're doing. Every Monday, Wednesday and Friday, isn't it? I thought it was every day. No, Monday, Monday, Wednesday and Fridays, we, we did do every day, but it got to the point where the hamster wheel was running too fast. So Monday, Wednesday and Fridays. But if if you'd like to have me back and if you'd like to um, really get stuck into NLP and and how the psychology is being used, I'd love to do that. Yeah, definitely. We'll, um, we'll sort out a date, Brian. So thank you very much. And uh yeah, lovely to speak to you, Brian. Yeah, I, I like you, Brian. I don't know why. Maybe subconsciously you said something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good. You're paying attention. All right. <laughs> right. Well, take care.
care, Brian, and we'll speak yeah. to you soon, OK? All right. Welcome back to the Shelley Tasker Show here on Cornwall Revolution Radio, .blogspot.com. Uh, I have Charlie Rainbow and Nina Eilertson with me. I've just have a, had an awesome first hour with Brian Garrish, and I'm sure it's going to be just as exciting with our own Howard Coleman, Q and Trump speaker. Welcome to the show, Howard. Lovely to have you back again. Thank you very much. So, right, come on then. You've got all this paperwork. It's been an awesome day today. Lots is going on. What is happening? So, uh, yeah, today's a very, very important day as the um, the electors um, who voted for the president back on the 14th um, have their votes counted uh, in Congress uh, with Mike Pence and the Senate and the uh, the House both present. Um, so this is this is um, the bit where the uh, the votes that are valid um, are accepted, and the Senate and the House get to, and Pence himself as well, get the opportunity to um, object to any of the electors' votes. And then there'll be discussions, and then there'll be a vote on whether to um, to go ahead with the rejection of any electors' votes or yeah, any slate of electors. So that's what's happening at this very moment. Right. And so it's a big day. Now, the, it can take, um, I think in the Constitution, it allows up to five days for this process to take place. Um, uh, I managed to watch just the first few minutes of this just uh, before we started. Um, and so so it really is, it is happening as we're speaking. So it's, um, yeah. Um, so... The election happened, for those, just to do a quick recap yeah. on the election right. process, because some people might not appreciate the election process in America. Um, so the election process really happens in three phases. Um, the first phase and was really big this time around because uh, obviously we had the COVID and everybody was being told to stay at home. So the election, um, the mail-in ballots was really being pushed. Um, the mail-in ballots are not a very secure way of voting. There's another system called absentee ballots, which is very secure. Um, that's where the person actually asks for a ballot and then it gets posted to them and then they mail it back. The mail-in ballots is where you don't ask for a ballot, you just have it, you just have them sent out. Um, and they're sent out in their million in their hundreds of thousands, millions. Um, so the first phase of the election was all these mail-in ballots and the absentee ballots. That happened all the way up to the election day. Then we had the election itself on the 3rd of November. And then there's kind of phase two. So phase two is where the ballots continue to arrive um, and they're counted. We have the, also the uh, Dominion system that's uh, digitally um, taken all the digital votes the paper ballot votes are fed through machines, and then those those votes are electronically counted. Um, and so that's that that's that part of that process. But then there's also at the same time during that there's also um, the opportunity to um, bring out um, any issues to do with the voting process that had happened. So, for instance, there was quite a lot of um, unusual activity, let's say, to do with the election, and that can all be brought forward. And um, and yeah, um, so all that process, and there's litigation, obviously, and lawsuits that happen with regards to that. That all goes up to the 14th of December. The 14th of December, 
Um, all those votes have to ideally are certified and um, and then electors are chosen based on how many votes there were in different states and councils and things. So those electors then vote for the president and they vote for the president on the 14th. Um, those votes are then sealed and then they're opened on the 6th of January, so which is today. So the electors votes um, were open today. And, uh, and then we're going to go through this process through the House of Congress where they can be contested again. So contesting of the votes can happen in two stages, the actual people voting and then the electors voting. Um, and so this uh, would then get sorted out over the next week and then the president would be inaugurated on the 20th. So that's the process. Now, so we have a question here. There is corruption and... Um, the question is, do we want all the corrupt people to be jailed? Yes. <laughs> no. Is there room for them? No. That's right, yeah. <laughs> if we want all the corrupt people to be jailed, then we've got to allow all the corrupt people to do their corrupt thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so if you stop the corruption at an early stage, you're not going to get all the corrupt people. Right. And this is the uh, the logic of allowing all the corruption to unfold. And then only at the very last minute, if necessary, to step in and then um, expose the actual core of it and, and um, arrest everybody. So there is a process. If we are serious about it, then we have to let the whole process uh, unfold its natural course, obviously um, monitoring at every single stage and recording everything that happens. And then all that evidence is then used at the at the end or, be, or beyond to actually arrest everybody. So we'll, it's it's quite, let's go through a quick list here. I mean, there's, we've got the printing of fake ballots, which, um, which didn't have watermarks. So we've got the printing presses, the people involved in all that process. Other countries might be involved in printing fake ballots. Um, we've got the mailing system, post. The, um, in our country, obviously, we call it the post office. Um, but the mailing system was moving all the ballots, the mail-in ballots, sending them out and then taking them back. And there is allegations of them filtering the ballots um, so that the ones for Trump were being uh, binned. Um, so all the people involved in that side of the corruption are going to be identified. Um, then we've got uh, voter roll errors, so the actual voter rolls. So the ballots were sent out to everybody in the voter rolls. Those voter rolls are notoriously inaccurate. And there was a lot of litigation before even the election happened to do with uh, trying to clean up the voter rolls. Um, and so there's lots of people resisting that process of, of um, clearing out the voter rolls. Those people are going to be exposed as well. Um, there were dead people that voted. <laughs> there were people that moved out of the state that voted. Yeah. There were uh, all sorts of things. They are going to clean that all up. So there was a census. The 2020 U.S. census happened earlier in the spring, um, and that will be used at a later date to properly clear out all of the um, the people that shouldn't be on the electoral rolls. Um, and Project Veritas actually uh, yesterday, I believe, um, showed that all the uh, homeless uh, people in one particular area were all registered to one address. Oh, so, right. So all those mail-in ballots to all those homeless people all being sent to that one address, and then they would have been used, then filled out by other people, and then sent back. So that's one example. There's a company involved in that called um, Central OAC, and uh, they removed their Twitter account. 
um, as a result of it. So that's just one little example out of absolutely hundreds and hundreds of examples of voter fraud identified in that way. Um, we've got corrupt state governors, politicians, judges. They were so when a lot of the uh, voter fraud is exposed, like nefarious activity, um, observers being um, unable to observe the counting process. All that evidence was shown and then given to the judges. Um, there are corrupt judges, so they will be rejecting that evidence. And again, those corrupt judges will be identified on how they behave to do with the process. Um, politicians also um, and uh, governors were involved in altering the election rules just before the election, um, saying how long after the election the mail-in ballots could be accepted. Um, um, yeah, all sorts of all sorts of things. Um, they're not supposed to be. They're not supposed to do that. They're not supposed to do that. The only people that are supposed to be able to alter election rules are state legislators. Um, so that whole lot has got to be uh, sort of exposed as well. Then we've got um, election day fraud itself with Dominion systems. Everybody connected with the Dominion systems has got to be basically interrogated, and. Uh, because these, there was absolutely millions of votes switched, deleted, duplicated. Uh, votes went out to Spain and Germany, and they were mucked about on the servers. Then the votes were sent back. I mean, it was just so everything to do with the Dominion systems. And dead people voted too. Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> and dead people voted too. We'll say that. <laughs> um, the mainstream media, they covered up um, issues to do with the uh, Democrat campaign and Hunter Biden's laptop scandal. That was kind of suppressed. Um, and they also uh, basically spun the um, the rally sizes. So Trump was having huge rallies before the election, and Biden absolutely tiny. I mean, hardly anybody turned up to his rallies, or less than two hundred. Sometime, I mean, it was, I don't know a single rally actually where Biden had more than two hundred people. It was absolutely laughable. So the um, the media. All the corrupt people in the media have got to be exposed with election manipulation because this is election manipulation. Um, and yes, um, calling election for Biden. Yeah, and, and that's right. And the other big thing was all the media calling the election for Biden uh, before even this process happened. I mean, we can't even call it today. We can't even say whether Biden was elected. But um, all the media, not only in the US, but around the world also um, contrived with this um with this fraud. Um, and we haven't finished yet. So we've got legislators, judges, various levels of governors. Um, uh, yes, rejecting evidence of voter fraud, illegal certifying. Of, they illegally certified the votes when they actually weren't allowed to, um, when there were cases still pending through the courts. Um, and then the, 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 um, the, uh, the cases going to the courts will often be rejected, then be sent to higher courts, the appeals court. Those also sometimes are corrupt. They're sending them back as well, and then it goes to the Supreme Court. So at all levels. And uh, yeah. Uh, then we've got fraudulent uh, chosen electors who are sent to vote. And also the one party would, would feel that they had won. They would send their electors to, to vote. That's called a slate of electors. And then um, the legislators would disagree with that and then send their uh, proposed slate of, of electors to vote, slate uh, electors to vote. So you'd end up with two slates of electors from the Democrat and the Republican being sent to vote. And then you've got to sort all that out at this 6th of January um, Congress meeting. Um, so, 
and then and then so now today we have all these electors votes coming out there is mountains of evidence of voter fraud i mean there's lovely youtube videos of them giving all the evidence to the electors on youtube you can go and look it up there's people who have um you know um on oath said what they saw um, there have been studies on the devoting machines, there's statistics on it, there's so much evidence, it's undeniable. Uh, the media is still saying these are allegations, but these are allegations where people are willing to stay under oath. And that's, you know, people go to jail for statements, you know, that are given under oath. So they're, they're not just, um, yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're valid claims. And um, so if the congressmen decide to um, reject... Um, and uh, an objection to these electors' votes, then they themselves are going to be shown to be corrupt. And not only the Democrats as well, Republicans as well, are kind of switching sides and saying, oh, we should just allow Biden to, to lead, and they're, they're not contesting it either. So we're finding right what are called rhino uh, Republicans. So, do we want all these corrupt people jailed, you know, or, you know, prosecuted? Yeah. Yes, we do. So, we have to allow the whole process to unwind. But it is scary because, you know, is Trump going to get in? So, but we do have to allow this whole process. Have we got any choice, though? Um, well, this, this, that's a very, very interesting question. There are several phases where um, things can step in and, and, um, yeah, and speed the process up. Mm. Um, but interestingly, they're not being done because, mm. again, we actually they actually do want this whole process mm. to unwind. Um, there's a hashtag called Stop the Steal, which is the main sort of um, engine behind the population, uh, the populace, to um, support the people who are actually the good guys trying to bring out the corruption. Hashtag Stop the Steal will will find you to all those um, people. Um, yes, every person is also being given the opportunity to do the right thing. That's another important part of this. So there's no prejudgment here on who is corrupt and who isn't. And if you're going to, so you have to allow people to make the choice. And at every stage, and Trump has been really clear about this, and other people have been very clear, so make the correct choice, you know, do the right thing. And then if they still don't, they're knowingly not taking the correct decision, the right decision. It's much easier to prosecute. You're going to get a, a proper prosecution, you know, and they will, they will go mm -hmm. down. They can't say, oh, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. It has to be done knowingly and it has to be their choice. And so this is being given to everybody in the selection process. Yeah. yeah. So what's happening now? That's the question, isn't it? So <clears throat> at the moment, there are four basic things going on. Uh, we have um, the legislators for Arizona, Georgia, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin have actually sent a letter to Mike Pence, uh, the vice president, um, to ask them to send back their electoral slate of electors. So they're asking that we want to change the, the, um, the state legislators for those four regions are asking we want to change our vote, the votes for that. So Mike Pence was asked that. Um, number two, Mike Pence could uh, reject all illegally chosen electors. Now, illegally chosen electors are in basically in states where um, the laws were changed 
not by the state le le um, state legislators, which is the proper way of doing it, but where the laws were changed by governors and judges, that is not legal. Pence has absolutely every right to reject the electors' slates from those states where that has happened. And I just checked before we came here, and he hasn't done it. Right. So that's not looking good. And I also saw a tweet from Trump, which basically said that uh, it looks like uh, Mike Pence has let, let the side down. So that's, that's very interesting. Now, the question is, is Mike Pence actually corrupt? Because uh, if we go back to when Trump initially became president, um, we believe that Mike Flynn, General Flynn, was actually the, the choice for vice president, not Mike Pence. And Mike Pence was um, um, put forward by the Republican Party um, and basically t told Trump that uh, he would only get the endorsement from the Republican Party to run for president if he had Mike, president, uh, Mike Pence as his VP. And a lot of the, the Republican Party is corrupt. So this is not looking good for um, the uh, vice president. Um, so that's that's one little thing that was kind of disappointing, but it doesn't it doesn't affect the overall outcome. Um, the so Mike Pence is not the only person who can contest the uh, electors. As senators and congressmen can as well. So that's what this next process is going to be about. And I'm assuming it's still ongoing. I haven't checked the news right now, but I'm assuming it's going to overrun into another four. It could run up to four days, five days if necessary. Uh, we should have to see. Um, so, Senate, so what happens is a senator says um, to um, a batch of votes or a vote or whatever, says, uh, I object, these votes are, you know, fraudulently done or whatever, and then he needs a seconder, and if he gets a seconder, then the whole house has to adjourn, and then they have to go into discussion, and, they, and they're allowed two hours per objection, and then after the objection, after they've had the discussion, they come back, and then they have a vote on the objection, whether to check out the, um, that particular vote, votes or set of votes or not. So that can go on and on and on and on and on. Um, and as I said, we've got five days where that can, that can happen. Um, so that's that's the second way. So they, in that sense, the, um, the congressman, if this happens, if there's enough people, enough uh, Republicans who vote um, the right way, then some of the um, electors' votes can be chucked out. And if that happens, then basically... Uh, Trump will get through, um, but it's very is determinant on not too many Republicans turning rhino and voting the other way, and that's the thing. So it is a little bit tight. Um, so if that fails, <laughs> then the other thing that can happen is the if there's a lot of if it grinds on and on and there's lots of um, objections to various votes and stuff, what could happen is that the Inauguration date of the 20th of January could be deferred to a much later date. Oh, my God. So this could be going on forever. This could be going on for another sort of two months. Really? Yes. It could, <laughs> it could go on for another two months. It, what's interesting, if you look back in history, when the inauguration date used to be, it used to be uh, at the end of March or beginning of April. Right. It was only moved um, to the 20th of January, you know, relatively recently, you know, about 100 years ago or whatever um so it would be putting it back to where it used to be if they do defer it and the other nice thing about deferring it back to the 21st of march is 21st of march is the spring equinox 
that is really officially when the year starts. I mean, if you think about it from an energetic point of view, everything's starting to bloom and there's a beginning and yeah. And so why would you start right in the middle of winter? I mean, it's a bit of a strange time to be starting. These that things. is when they normally do it, isn't it? Yeah. So, so I think from, um, yeah, from an energetic point of view or from whatever you want to call it, 21st of March is a much nicer date. Um, 1st of April is another date I've heard mooted, but you know, that's a bit <laughs> April Fool's Day. Do you really want to start? The <laughs> <Fool's Day>? No. Because <laughs> you don't know whether it's real or not. No. So, <laughs> so those are the two big things. So I think, assuming that what I've heard is right, Mike Pence is not going to uh, contest the uh, Slater electors, um, then he's outed himself as being a... Um, yeah, working for the deep state in some way or for some other reason. Um, then we are down to senators and congressmen or a deferring of the election down line. Two more things. Two more things can happen. Um, the Supreme Court could step in. Uh, there are still lots of court cases pending, still lots of court cases pending in about six, seven states in America to do with the voting and the election fraud and everything. Some of those have been pointed towards the um, Supreme Court. They could step in. They could make a ruling saying that, you know, there's too much voter fraud. They could get involved in maybe moving the um, inauguration date possibly as well. Um, and then there's one last. If that fails, so let's say the Supreme Court fail. <laughs> there, were, there were too many defectors and Republicans, and, they were, and the senators and the congressmen couldn't get it through. Let's say the... Um, and whether the inauguration date gets deferred or not, what else is there for Trump and to keep everything, you know, sane and working? Well, there is one more option, which is that if it's shown that democracy has has basically failed, you do not have a democratic country, the whole machine of democracy is actually broken, then who's there to step in? The military. So you could you could you could um, have uh, enact uh, or uh, Trump himself actually could, could um, say a state of emergency and actually ask the military to take over for a period of time. It's, you could say that's a military coup, <laughs> but I would say there was a coup that started in 1964 when President uh, uh, Kennedy was killed. That's when the coup started, yeah, yeah. and that's a very very long and insidious insidious coup. Um, and you and a lot of people are saying that uh, China is behind is partly behind this very long and slow um, coup from underneath the surface. Mm. Infiltration is the word that uh, often comes up. So, yeah, so it could be that the the military could be step in to take control to actually sort of things. And that we believe that is originally what the military were thinking of doing in the first place, even before Trump. Um, was run for president. So some people think that the uh, the president, uh, Trump, actually getting in everything was plan B. Plan A was originally the US military simply taking over because they know who all the corrupt people are because the NSA have, every, have all the data on everybody. They know all the corrupt people. So it would be simply going back to plan A. So that's the kind of um, backstop that I'm seeing. So I, I'm personally not worried. Uh, I think it's a fascinating chess game we were watching. Uh, there are still lots and lots of um, uh, things that can happen to um, sort the process out. Um, we, have, we are recording all of the corruption, which is great. So everybody's being brought out. Um, 
absolutely everybody, <laughs> um, including Republican senators and congressmen and all sorts. So, yeah, it's, a, it's a going to be a pretty big thing. Can you see Trump getting checkmated um, at this point? At this point, it's difficult to say. I think um, there is one scenario that's been playing in the back of my mind a little bit recently, and that is that one of the things that's often said is that the power is with the people, and it's the people that need to make the choice, that need to actually make the decision to clear out all the corruption. And Trump has been doing his best over the last four years to reveal the corruption to the people so the people can then say, we've had enough, we want it all out and drained. Um, there is one, one possible um, avenue line that, that could happen with that, which is that Trump allows the corruption to play out to an extent whereby Biden actually gets in and there is a populist uprising. Ah, that would be a clever strategy, wouldn't it? That is... That is another possibility. So it's another. Um, I don't know what will happen. Um, it would be. I mean, the more you get down to the cliff edge, you know, up to the cliff mm. edge, it's kind of riskier. Um, but maybe you know, maybe Trump and his team um, have actually covered all bases, and so for them it doesn't seem like a risky option. But for us, maybe it just looks risky because we don't know yeah. what they know. Um, so yeah, so it could be a popular uprising or the military might take over, or the Supreme Court might intervene, um, or the congressmen might get their act together and actually vote some of these slates out, um, or the inauguration might be deferred. Four possibilities. Yeah. <laughs> and we have no idea, no idea which one of those we're going to go down. Yeah. Are you going to be like a betting man <laughs> on, on live and tell us which one you, you choose? I'm still betting on Trump getting in. So I kind of still would like that. I would like that. But, you know, I mean, Trump and team, they, I kind of bow up to their, you know, superior knowledge mm. and, uh, and how they're going to work things out. I still am absolutely certain they want to root out all the corruption and it's all going to be fine. But, you know, it's like watching a chess match with um, a grandmaster, you know, and, and chess pieces are changing colour as they're playing. And, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and we, us and lesser mortals, watching the game, and we can say, well, we think that move and that move, but, you know, they're the masters. They're the masters playing. So, yeah. And, uh, and we're always told, you know, grab your popcorn and enjoy the show. So there's a lot of confidence behind the National Security Agency and the, and the military to say that they're, 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 they're fine. It's fine just to enjoy the show, basically, but it's a bit nerve-wracking, not knowing, <laughs> not entirely knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, so we're in this process. Um, so so, so for, for the people that say, yeah. why are you bothering about um, America when there has absolutely no effect on other, other countries, what would you say to that? Um, I would say that, um, for instance, the hydroxychloroquine, if we take that as an example. So hydroxychloroquine was pushed by um, Trump. And he had this whole uh, regimen of um, um, therapeutics, which he had because he got COVID, right, um, the virus. Um, so he is very clear that there are therapeutics out there. If Biden gets in, um, those therapeutics are going to kind of disappear. They're, they're, they're not going to see the light of day. If Trump gets in, he's going to really push them. I mean, that's the ones he prefers. He would prefer that because he's had them and he says he never felt better afterwards. If, 
if Trump, when Trump gets in, let's just say when Trump gets in, let's be, uh, put some positive energy mm. into that. When Trump gets in, he's going to, once the dust has settled, he could then open that Pandora's box of actually there's hydroxychloroquine, there's zinc, there's loads of things to boost your immune system, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be impossible for the world to ignore that. Yeah. It will basically destroy the whole vaccine narrative. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's huge, absolutely massive. And then there's the whole thing with China and the uh, virus, um, the timing that the virus was released, you know, just before the US election, very suspicious, enabled mail-in ballots to be done. Um, it looks like it was all staged. Um, so, yeah, it, Trump getting elected changes everything for everybody, the whole world, basically. Um, the whole thing about compulsory vaccines and the vaccine things will be dead in the water when Trump gets in. Mm -hmm. I don't think people understand the impact of, the, no. of what, what him getting in America is going to be do, do they? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's amazing. And and also, I mean, um, yeah, so there's lots of great things that Trump is doing. I mean, he's uh, we've just had a, another um, peace accord uh, between Saudi Arabia and Qatar. Again, that was uh, facilitated by Trump and his team. This is about, the, I don't know, the sixth, seventh peace accord we've had in the last um, sort of six months. The whole of the Middle East is, you know, signing peace accords left, right and centre. So there is peace almost in the Middle East now. Um, you know, would that have happened without Trump? I don't think so. I think Trump was absolutely, um, in, you know, monumental, you know, the main driver in that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a lot. The, he's produced two executive orders recently. Um, one of them... Um, I'll just read it. It's the Memorandum on Inadmissibility of Persons Affiliated with Antifa Based on Organised Criminal Activity. So this, this little piece is basically blocking anybody from Antifa coming into the country. Um, and also anybody that's supporting Antifa, which is slightly broader. There's also an executive order, um, which was released uh, very recently as well. Uh, we have, uh, which is basically addressing the threat posed by applications and other software developed or controlled by the Chinese companies. So Trump is really, really on the tails of the Chinese um, software and uh, anything to do with hardware software from China, uh, spying and controlling stuff. Uh, those, those, are recent, those are recent things. Again, Trump didn't get elected. Biden has strong Chinese ties. You can expect to see China uh, rise to ascendancy um, and continue to take over the world, basically. Um, so we would end up with a communist uh, superpower um, spreading their communism all over the world and everything that they do um, likewise. Uh, with, with Trump, that ain't going to happen. That's gonna, that will be stopped. Yeah. So what's going on with Q? Uh, Q is silent at the moment. Uh, Q has been silent for quite a while, which basically says that Q wants us simply watching the election and um, and it's just allowing the main pieces on the chessboard to play and we're supposed to be just watching those main pieces on the chessboard. Um, there's no uh, comms or anything that we're supposed to know um, no in the background. No Q-tips, no distractions. <laughs> Q-tips, very good. <laughs> <laughs> no distractions. So the also the like the paedophilia thing has kind of gone quiet for a bit. That's not to be a distraction either. But everybody's focus is supposed to be focusing on the election and election fraud and this election process. 
We're supposed to be learning how the Americans vote, how the president gets elected, and all the corruption and things that can go wrong on that route. Um, it's an education. Everybody's learning, and it's not just us little plebs that are learning this. You're looking at leaders around the world are watching this, you know, um, anybody involved in elections anywhere around the world are going to be watching this. So there's a massive global learning that is happening. Um, it really is worth being aware that this is a global event. This is a global event. And it's being dripped out very slowly so everybody can learn as much as they can from every part of this process. Um, yeah. Hmm. There was a question of Someone saying that capital very being stormed or something. <coughs> Bear with me. I shall check the chat page. Um, Steve Kernow. Uh, the Capitol Hill building has been stormed by rioters some time ago. I take it you caught this before the start of the show. No, no, that's news to me. <laughs> <laughs> there you are, Steve. <laughs> I did. I, I think the last thing I saw was that Pence and Pelosi had been removed for safety. That was the last thing I didn't realise that they had actually been stormed. So this is uh, this is quite good news actually. I think anything that the deep state do uh, is quite good. It might, although it might not have been the deep state, it might have been um, it might have been others, but it's more likely to be a deep state operation. But it, it, anything really to delay and slow the process down so that more things can be unveiled, unveiled is is good news for me. I think um, from my point of view. A um, couple of other things that are burning in the background. First, so we were talking about Q. So the last Q post, well, the last but one Q post mm. was simply the word Durham. Um, and that can have multiple meanings. Um, one of the ones that I kind of, uh, it's important that we don't forget is that Prosecutor Durham <laughs> is investigating all of the corruption to do with the spying on Trump and his campaign when he got elected and all the people that tried to get him impeached. Right. That is a huge investigation in itself, let alone with all the um, uh, voter fraud and everything. And there are top, top people involved in that. I mean, that takes you right the way to, to the top of the previous administration. All the people connected with it, FBI Director Comey, uh, CIA Director Brennan, uh, DNI um, Director Clapper, I mean, the top people and the people beyond them. Um, they're all implicated. That's huge. So it may be, if there's only one thing that Q is saying, um, which he said a while ago, and now being quiet, is that Durham is <coughs> still there. He's still waiting in the background. He has everybody lined up. He has all the indictments, the sealed indictments to arrest all these people. Um, yeah, I was going to say, when are they going to be released? <laughs> absolutely. This is like a bombshell. I mean, uh, last time I heard, there was over 200,000 sealed indictments now. I mean, it just keeps on rising. Um and we know that a lot of those indictments are to do with treason, and they will be tried in military courts. So this comes back to, again, something that I think we need to be aware of, that the arrests may well have an FBI civil um, civilian component to them, but also there will be a military component to it as well. And this is, again, why the military has still got a function of stepping in and arresting loads of people. And the military and, the, and also the marshals are positioned all over the country um, for various other reasons, um, for distributing the vaccine, for instance. So there are lots of military in various places strategically with the guise of giving out the vaccine, but are they really there to give out the vaccine? A lot of people don't think so. A lot of people think these military are there for when the arrests start, 
I find it interesting that, like, Trump, a lot of speeches that I've seen, he's, is he for the vaccine or against it? Because on the other side, we've got the hydrochloric. Yeah, hydroxychloroquine, yeah. Yeah, and then on the other <laughs> side, he's, like, promoting yeah. the vaccine. There are rumours that uh, Trump's son, um, Baron Trump, he is uh, autistic, and that his autism started when he had a vaccine. And Trump has actually, there are videos quite clearly say where Trump says that he is not for vaccines, that he thinks, he don't, doesn't think they should be. Right. So um, Trump, before the election, was very clear that vaccines weren't, weren't good. And, uh, and it seemed his experience it kind of is the, you know, where, where he's got to, why he's, why he's got that position. Um, now, he also has said more recently that uh, he wants to make vaccines available for those that want it. Um, but for everybody else, he's not about making it faster. He wants the therapeutics to be available as well. So, so doing that thing where they're making it not mandatory, but if you don't have it, then you can't travel and stuff like that. Right, there's like no passport. That's right. That is definitely being um, blocked because it um, breaks the constitution. So, that's so constitutionally, you cannot have that. Mm. Won't be allowed. And uh, Bill Barr, who was the Attorney General before he uh, retired, before he left. Um, also uh, said that the um, Department of Justice um, would look very, very badly on that and would actually make attempts to block it. Mm. So, yeah, so that won't happen in the US, assuming Trump mm. gets elected. Yeah. Um, and there's one other thing we should be aware of, and that is that 45 days after the election, so Trump made this executive order, uh, 13848, in September 2018, which basically said that after the election, 45 days, uh, DNI Ratcliffe, the Director of National Intelligence, was to write a report on election interference, foreign election interference, and everything connected to that foreign election interference. That was on the 18th of December. It basically, we believe that the report got, uh, we definitely, the report got done. Um, what we understand is that Ratcliffe held back on some of the information because he was waiting for more information from his um, security services. And that was sent to the uh, president, and it was sent to a few other people in his administration. The next part of the executive order, there's another 45 days, and then there's another report produced by the um, Pompeo, who's the uh, Secretary of State, and Mnuchin, who's the Treasury Secretary, and another one, which I can't remember off the top of my head, they produce a report which says who uh, needs to be sanctioned because they interfered in our election. That And they are also allowed to seize the assets and block the um, assets of, let's say block, they're allowed to block the assets of everybody involved in foreign election interference. That could be a very large number of people, and they're allowed to do it in secret up to the 45 days, which is the 1st of February. So there could well be very powerful people around the world having their assets blocked at this moment that we wouldn't know about because of election interference. Um, the first we're going to know about it is when this report comes out, and then they may even tell us then, they may leak that information out later. But it's interesting that that is after the 20th of January, 1st of February, this, this second report. And But if the inauguration is deferred, of course, that 1st of February is fine. <laughs> so people were some people, when the 1st of February date was mentioned, were a bit worried about that being after the election, after the inauguration. Um, 
Yeah, so there is this DNI thing and the and the sanctions, and that could affect a lot of people actually, and it could affect a lot of people in the Democrat Party who have connections with China. They could be implicated in this. Um, we also have uh, Kamala Harris has not resigned her Senate seat. I wonder why, since she is supposed to be the vice president mm -hmm. going forward. I wonder why she has not. Mm. Uh, yes, and let go of her Senate seat. Maybe it's because she is not sure that she will become vice president. Mm. <laughs> and uh, and also, Biden has not accepted the money for the tra as a transition team for the transition team to um, become president. The reason he he might not have accepted that money is because if he accepts the money, he has to declare all his foreign connections. Ah, I think you said that on the previous Yeah, time. so, yeah, so he's kind of hiding, he's trying to hide. Mm. Yeah, well, what else is going on with Biden? Because I've seen a few things, like, I think probably a few of us texted you the other day. <laughs> <laughs> we were on the group chat, and Joe's like, I've just texted Howard, and I'm like, so have I! <laughs> <laughs> Biden is very, very quiet, he's in his basement again, isn't he? And it's just, yes, that's right, we don't know. There are rumours, there were rumours, I haven't found anything, any substance to those rumours at all, that he, he stepped down or resigned, I don't find anything on that. As far as, I, as far as I'm aware, he's still sitting there, waiting to be put in... in so, do you, do you follow Biden as much as you follow Trump? Uh, not quite as much. I have him down on Twitter, so I, I follow his tweets, but, um, and I kind of keep feelers on lots of different channels and various things, so if there are noises made, I tend to hear about them. Um, and I can check things, and I did try to check that one that he might have stepped down or something, and I can't find any, any evidence for that at this moment. That's not to say it isn't true, but I can't find anything no. to back that up. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's really the state of play at the moment. And if the house has been suspended because of there's been a break in in the uh, in the Congress, then they'll be resuming again tomorrow, presumably with more security. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's that's. Um, but uh, yeah, so fascinating. If people want to follow this, by the way, um, the best place there's lots of um, YouTube channels which are showing this live. But I I tend to watch Right Side Broadcasting Network. If you Put that into YouTube, you'll find that they do live videos of the House of Congress where all these things are yeah, being done. So I had a little look at that before I came. So that's Right Side Broadcasting Studios. Mm. Broadcasting Network. Oh, sorry. Right Side Broadcasting Network. That's right. I'll on type it in, on in YouTube. Second. Yeah. YouTube. And then uh, and then you'll see the the um, yeah the actual things happening live in the Senate. So I'm guessing you're going to be up at night. Tonight, well, I think they've adjourned. I will definitely check to see what the state of the building is in. <laughs> if they've broken in, if they damaged anything. Um, but I, what I'm expecting is that it'll be uh, tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon for us, early afternoon, sort of two o'clock, maybe maybe a little bit before when they start resuming their process. But I'm also going to be very interested to see what people's reactions in America are to Pence's um, of uh, Pence's uh, decision not to throw out slates, which he should have done and he could have done. Um, so yeah, there's going to be lots of rumours about Pence being um, a black hat or kind of yeah switching sides or something. Um, so that's going to be interesting to follow. Or a double agent. Double agent. Yeah. So uh, it's and, and the other the other thing we'll say really is that the deep state. Everything is hanging in the balance, which means that I, not only is it, are we teetering on the edge for the good guys, Trump getting back in and then 
during the rest of the process of draining the swamp. You have to remember that the deep state is on the precipice for the deep state too. They are terrified because they are the ones that are going to go to jail. Mm. They're the ones that are going to face the firing squad for treason. I mean, it's, it is literally that close. So when things start to slide towards uh, Trump and sort of, and the other thing that could happen, we haven't even talked about this yet, is that stuff is being declassified all the time. I mean, we had the massive leak of all the CCP members, all the members, um, Communist Party Chinese members, that was leaked on the internet. Two million of them. Um, that is just one of several things. I and mean, we're expecting much more stuff to be declassified and leaked onto the internet as, we, as the days go forward. As this stuff comes out, the media, which are complicit in this whole corruption, are going to want to suppress all this. There is talk of possibly social media being being taken down so people can't talk to each other. Um, all sorts of things. I mean, it's going to get it's going to get uh, it's going to get quite hot, basically. There's uh, a lot of talk on. about that, isn't there, in this country as well? Yeah. And last night, I think we had three power cuts. I was thinking, this is it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who knows what could happen? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I was talking to one person. He, he was um, saying that maybe, like, the whole power grid for the UK would go down. So I don't think that could possibly happen, actually. It would be catastrophic, it did. It would, yeah, it would be really catastrophic. But then maybe that's, a, like, a noise for saying that the social media would be taken down. Um, certainly the BBC. I watched the BBC News just before I came here. There was not one mention of this congressional process of going through the electors. How can the BBC not mention the biggest day in US politics? It is unbelievable. Oh, they just don't mention anything. Unbelievable. Mm. It's deliberate. The BBC are deliberately trying to keep people in the dark and uh, ignorant of what's going on. Mm. Um, yeah. In every way, I wonder like, how, how people would have reacted going back when in Trafalgar Square in London a couple of months ago, when there was like 35,000, 40,000 people there, mm. if they had seen that on their TV mm. screens, how would they have reacted? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They just don't show anything, do they, that might, well, turn somebody's attention. Mm. <laughs> yeah. What I haven't done yet is I haven't looked to see how the corrupt media um, are reporting it in the States. So I haven't checked CNN, MSNBC, ABC, and all those. Uh, I want to check those because there was a, there's massive rallies in Washington at the moment. They asked, um, I think Trump and team asked them for as many people to come to the to uh, Washington as possible to show their support. Mm. Um, and, there, and last time I looked, there were massive masses of people mm. um, at these rallies at the, uh, right at the moment. So are they reporting it? Is CNN actually reporting it? Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how the the mainstream media spin it. Yeah, because what I was watching earlier of him doing his talking stuff, it was it wasn't a mainstream media production. It was just someone, well, mm. a journalist, but yeah. not mainstream. Yeah, another person who's putting a lot of information at the moment is Lynn Wood. Yes, I've heard a lot. <laughs> I keep hearing that name yes, pop up. Lynn Wood. If you want to find him on Twitter, it's L L I N Wood. L L I N Wood. I'll write that down. Um, and so the, one of the most recent things he tweeted, uh, he's been tweeting a lot of stuff. He says he has a lot of information and he's dropping it out. Um, one of the things he tweeted, he tweeted a, a tweet um, that Codemund had put out, which is linked to a Neon Nettle article. So Neon Nettle is, a, um, is an online news site. They made an article uh, which is called At the Highest Levels. 
and it's got various things. It's three parts, part one, part two, part three. Uh, I haven't had a chance to read it all, but there was definitely in there, there was something about a whistleblower um, releasing information with audio showing Mike Pence, Robert Rosenstein, and Chief Justice Roberts uh, talking about trying to bring the president down, which, if true, would be pretty, would be massive news. I mean, that's dynamite. Um, but there's other things in there as well. So, yes, watch Linwood. Linwood seems to be at the cutting edge of all these. And a lot of the litigation and the um, lawsuits that are being filed in to do with voter fraud and, and all that is being filed, is being done by Linwood, as well as uh, Giuliani, obviously Rudy Giuliani. Um, Sydney Powell has been quite quiet recently. Um, she was she took on the whole Dominion voting, electronic voting scam, um, switching of votes. Um, she's just been quiet. I think she filed her lawsuits. They've gone in. They've been targeted at the Supreme Court. We have to wait to see what the Supreme Court do with it. But Dominion voting system corruption basically nullifies the entire U.S. election. <laughs> so that's why I say that the um, the Supreme Court could step in and just say the whole election was invalid, in which case they'd have to run the whole election again. I mean, that's what I would do. Uh, we'll have to see what happens. Um, I would have done it the first time they saw <laughs> it all go, you know, pear-shaped the way it did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so we've got, so where are we now? We're the 6th of January, aren't we? 20th of January is supposedly the inauguration date, but I really, really think that's going to be pushed out. I think the inauguration date is going to be um, pushed out, and that will be really good. It will allow more time for people to digest, more time for the lawsuits to have their act, to have, go through their process, etc. Patience is a virtue. The patience is. It's, it's The other interesting thing now, Trump, one of the things Trump said, um, before going back to the beginning of the year, um, sort of the spring, he's, or at least early, yeah, late spring, early summer, he said um, that he thinks that the virus will evaporate by itself once he is elected. Mm -hmm. Oh. And, or, yeah, that's right, well, on the, on the election day. So <laughs> if the election day is pushed out, is it, if the inauguration day, sorry, if the inauguration day is pushed out to, say, the 21st of March... And then the virus magically evaporates from the 21st of March. Interesting, that fits in with the, uh, the furlough that was um, in the UK. Because in the UK, and when they set the furlough up, it was originally going to go through to March, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Did, now, the question I have now is, did the UK government know? Do they know that the inauguration date is going to be pushed out to the end of March? And that would be more or less a year since the mm. first lockdown as That's well. That's right, yeah. Nice for stats. Mm. You can do some nice stats on, the, on like March. To March the, yeah, I think, they, previous I think it was the 19th of March they yeah. announced the first lockdown, but it started from the Monday. Yeah. So that would be a year. Yeah. But the only way this virus is going to magically disappear just because he wins the election is if the um, media, if he takes over the media. Yeah. Yeah. Although, interestingly, strange things are happening with the WHO. WHO... Uh, World Health Organization, the FDA, that's the American um, Food and Drug Administration, Fauci, they are starting to make noises that about false positives. Hurrah! Yeah, I've noticed that. Why early. is that? Because that is not really what I'd imagine them to... Why are they doing how, that? Well, how at the moment corrupt? can these tests... Also, mm. You know, all these tests that they're doing every week now... Mm. Are these also testing for the new strain yeah, coronavirus? Right. Oh, God, the same it's just the same, it? isn't there? That's right. And then if you have yeah. the vaccine, say, 
Does right. that does it cover you from this new strain? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, right. We've got to round up, Howard. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, quickly round up. Uh, what else to say? Um, do you, oh, well, not round up. Just need to come, come through that extra point. Yeah. Julian Assange. Right. Julian Assange. Um, his extradition was blocked. The US have 14 days to appeal. Just to put that in there. So they still have 14 days to appeal that. Um, and his um, thing about uh, bail was also blocked. So he's been kept in jail. Is he being kept in jail for his own safety? Would he? Would the deep state try to um, kill him if he was actually released? Um, does he have to go to the US to testify about Seth Rich um, actually getting the, email, the DNC emails and giving them to um, WikiLeaks? There's lots and lots of questions around that. And uh, so it's, that's still kind of rumbling away. Poor old Julian Assange there. Um, what else can we say? Uh, the Office of National Statistics in the UK, um, they have skipped their weekly um, death stats graphs, which I was a bit annoyed about. Uh, usually they always have graphs next to their death stats. They didn't do it last week. Are they going to continue? Are they going to do it next week? And also they have halted the publication of NHS bed occupancy. Yeah, I about that and the NHS stats. So NHS now is completely, in, we have no idea how busy the NHS hospitals are. Oh, they've stopped producing they, all they've the figures? they producing all the figures. Oh, that's convenient, isn't it? Very convenient. Oh, my God. Well, no, so I never heard that. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I can't remember. They were talking about a UK column, but I can't remember. Cause but they probably make up this computer virus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So... Uh, well, also, Ivanka Trump apparently is thinking of running as senator in 2022 in Florida. Uh, what else can we say? Um, oh, there's a good story about Obama being uh, sending 400 million to Italy and then using Vatican, satel Vatican satellites to hack Dominion voting systems. I have that, that sounds like a, a, um, a fake story to me, by the way. It sounds if anybody well comes across that one, it doesn't sound make sense at all. But anyway, lots and lots going on, and we watch and we learn and we see what happens. Lots of options. So more popcorn then? More popcorn. <laughs> you salty or sweet? Uh, oh, definitely uh, sweet. Toffee. Definitely. Toffee. Oh, toffee's the best. Yeah, it? absolutely. <laughs> right. Well, there we, thanks very much, Howard. I do look forward to your chat, and um, you should be back soon. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're meant to be. Yeah, you are our Trump and our Trump specialist. I love it. <laughs> Anything. <laughs> Text Howard. <laughs> anyway, guys, thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back same time next week. No updates on rallies or anything because we're in lockdown. Um, anyway, so we will be back next week. We will finish with our song as we usually do. I think you can stick your stinking lockdown up your ass, ladies. Okay, one, two, three. You, you can, can stick your stinking lockdowns up your ass. You can stick your stinking lockdowns up your ass. Singing. Stick your stinking lockdowns. Stick your stinking lockdowns. Stick your stinking lockdowns up your ass. Singing, we are the 99 percent. Yeehaw! Singing, we are the 99 percent. Singing, we are the 90. Together, we are mighty. We are the 99 percent. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week on the Shelly Tasker Show.